Um, what we are going over today, usually what we've done, I mean, for the longest time recently is we've gone through the Old Testament lectionary text. But again, this week, there is no Old Testament lectionary text. The Instead, that lectionary, uh, that part of the lectionary is found in Revelation this week. And it's an interesting passage, especially um, for what, what we're celebrating this upcoming Sunday in the church's calendar, which is All Saints Day, um, which basically is just a, just a celebration of all those people who have gone to heaven before us and live around us now as our great cloud of witnesses, as uh, Hebrews refers to them. It really is a celebration of that. It's why we call Halloween Halloween. Um, it, you know, originally it's All Hallows Eve that turned into Halloween. Uh, all Hallows, All Saints. Uh, that's what this Sunday coming up is, uh, November first. And this passage that before that is before us today really does. It's just a perfect picture of what the ultimate fate of all those who are in Christ is what we can all expect to come to pass. Now, where we're at in Revelation chapter 7, verse 9, if you were to go back in the context, you're going to find out that basically Revelation chapter 6 is, well, kind of what you expect Revelation to be. It depicts, you know, massive war and famine and problems all over the world and massive amounts of tribulation before the end of the world takes place. Um, having taught through the book of Revelation for a, about a year um, and going through the whole book, it's not unfamiliar to see this kind of picture of cataclysm followed by um, God's people being shown in what their true state will be. And that's what we really have pictured for us here in Revelation 7. The world, or at least a part of the world, has come to some sort of cataclysmic end, depending on how you interpret the book. Um, and there's been destruction. And so what can God's saints expect to come to pass after all of the hardship and suffering in this life? And what we're going to see is, well, they can, they can expect a new and greater citizenship of a new and better country. And oh boy, with the election coming up in oh so such a short time, I find myself longing for a true and better heavenly country more and more all the time. I find myself longing for what we're going to read here today. So beginning with that as a, by way of introduction, let's look at verse 9 of chapter 7 in Revelation. John writes, After this I looked. And behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. The Lamb, of course, represents Christ. Clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Now let's just pause and notice something that we probably take for granted all too often. But notice that this country, this heavenly city that's presented to us, is populated with people from every nation, John says. Not some of the nations, not most favored nations, 
There is no such thing as most favored nation. There are people from every nation in this kingdom that's coming. And they are from all tribes and from all peoples and from all languages. John couldn't be clearer. The city that is coming is meant for all people everywhere and that we will finally be truly united there around the throne of God. That no longer will we be divided by borders or by uh, ethnicity or by tribal factions that we've seen so often throughout the world's, hit, the, the world's history. No longer will we be divided by uh, an inability to communicate because we speak different languages. No, no, no. We will all be together in this picture. All who are in Christ, who have been clothed in white robes. What is that referencing? Well, it's being clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ are brought to the throne to worship him. And notice they have palm branches. Now, what does that elicit in your mind if you're a student of the scriptures? Well, it, it elicits, a, of course, in the Old Testament, it was a way of, of sort of saying that you were acknowledging your king before you. And you see this come to pass, this sort of thing come to pass when Jesus enters in his famous triumphal entry into Jerusalem. What do people do? They grab they grab uh, palm branches and they wave them and they announce that God's anointed is here. Hosanna to the son of David, they say. And so that that's the picture here, that everybody is united in worship because everybody is clothed in the same righteousness of Christ, all needy for that righteousness. Verse 11, and all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. We could go into that in great detail, but today is not going to be an exposition of what all these things mean in Revelation. Not really germane to the point of this passage right now. So uh, if you have questions about the four living creatures and the elders and the angels, I'm happy to answer those another time, but let's move on. They fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, so be it. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. They want every bit of glory for this city, for this, this heavenly citizenship that is being witnessed here. Every bit of the worship and glory to go to God. That's the point. They, they can't think of enough attributes to list in this sentence that God is worthy to have given to him. All glory, all wisdom, all thanksgiving, all honor, all power and might. Power and might basically are the same thing, but they, they have to repeat themselves because that's how glorious God is in their presence. They can't think of enough words to describe what they're seeing and what they're experiencing. Verse 13, then one of the elders addressed me saying, who are these clothed in white robes and from where have they come? I said to him, sir, you know. And he said to me, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. I love that picture because frankly, it does two things for us. Uh, one, <clears throat> when you read that they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood, 
it it sort of ticks it, it ticks something in us to realize revelation really isn't meant to be taken literally it is a deeply symbolic book we know folks if we wash a robe in blood it will be red not white but of course the symbolism here is through that through the blood of the lamb through the blood of jesus christ we become pure our sins though they were as scarlet now we are made white as snow that's the picture here that's the symbolism here these are ones that have come out of the great tribulation now there's two ways of viewing that great tribulation it could be talking about the great tribulation before the end of the world that totally could be what's re being referenced here um and and there does seem to be allusions throughout the scriptures in the new testament that there will be a, a period before the end of of truly hideous uh, difficulty and strife before god uh before christ finally comes back in his second coming uh this also though could be referencing uh, those who have come through the great tribulation that happened in Jerusalem in the first century. Or frankly, as is often the case with scripture and especially prophetic scriptures, um, it could be referencing both. That for those who have come out of the great tribulation that happened in AD 70 at the destruction of the temple and maintain their faith, retain their faith, this is going to be the end result for them. Indeed, it will be the end result for those who go through any tribulation no matter who they are, as long as they have washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb. That's the important point. Has the robe been washed in the blood of the Lamb? For those who have faith in Christ, the answer is yes. And you have been made fit for this heavenly city. Verse 15, Therefore they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple and he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. Just last uh, Sunday, our psalm for the, the weekend, being that it was Reformation Sunday, was Psalm 46, in which God promises to be our fortress, that he is our shelter. Well, here, what, what does it say happens as the people in the heavenly city serve their true king he shelters them with his presence. Now, there's two ways that I think about it. On the one hand, of course, I can think of something that's very strong and mighty and impenetrable. And, and But there's also another way that's really tender here. Uh, I think of Jesus saying, I long to gather you as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. There's a sense in which God, like a mother hen, would is, is sheltering his people in his presence. And what's the result of being sheltered by God and protected and preserved by God forever in this new and better city that we who believe in Christ will be citizens of? And for those who have gone before us, they are citizens of. What's the description of their life right now? They shall hunger no more, neither thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. Now, depending on where you are right now, um, I'm in northern New Jersey in my office here. Um, it's kind of cold outside. I wouldn't mind maybe a little bit more scorching heat. 
But you have to always remember where this was written and who this was written to. This is written to primarily, almost entirely, a population in the Middle East where the heat can be indeed scorching and it can be very hard to find relief. It can be very hard to find any shelter, any shade in the midst of that heat. What is the promise here in a, in a place where it was indeed possible and even, uh, you know, sometimes really hard to find food or to have reliable drink? The promise of heaven is there's no more hunger, no more thirst, and no more scorching heat for the, for the population of this city. Verse 17, here's the reason why. For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. The point is clear. We are citizens of two kingdoms while we exist here on earth. We are citizens of the country that we are that we're in or that we have uh, immigrated to or we've been born in one or the other. Uh, and there's some duties there that, you know, that we're uh, asked to fulfill. There's some things that we're uh, asked to do that we don't necessarily have to do from a biblical perspective. But, and we're feeling the weight of that right now as election season is really, it's been heavy upon us for the last year, you know, uh, last two years. It just seems to never go away. Um, but one of the things, you know, you hear all the time. Uh, I, I think I've heard it every single election for my entire life. This is the most important election of our lifetime. This could totally change the trajectory of our country, fundamentally transform our Well, folks, you know what? I've learned a couple things, and I'm, I'm not that old, granted, but I am 42. And here's what I've learned every time I've heard that. Uh, it's never as dramatic as people say. Never, ever. Never has been. Never has been in my whole life. Uh, number two, remember when you uh, act as a citizen here, you have to remember this is temporal. Your true citizenship is in a country where the king stoops down to wipe tears from your eyes. And when he makes promises to you about what he's going to do for you, unlike our politicians here that so often are unable, even if they want to keep their promises, so often are unable to do so, God is not thwarted. What he says here is true for his saints is true for you who have washed your robes in the blood of the Lamb. He is promising a kingdom where there will be no more hunger, no more thirst, no more pain, no more scorching heat, and no more tears. You can take that to the bank. So when you get overloaded with your temporal citizenship here on earth, and you feel the burden weighing down on you from every campaign commercial and from Facebook yelling at you to vote, to register now, and for all of the things that people get so hyped up about, about this, this country, this heavenly city, oh, it's not the heavenly city. The heavenly city is what is to come. And that is your true and better home. That is your true and better citizenship. The more you're anchored there, the more free you'll actually be to do good here on behalf of your neighbor. Again, because the lamb has won the victory. He is your shepherd. 
and he has washed your robe in his blood so that you would be seen as spotless in God's sight.